listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Thank you tonight that you are so awesome. God I, God, I just want to thank you that I'm part of a church that believes in touching lives. God, I'm so glad that we're a church that's about the mission, about touching people. As Megan read tonight, that we're going into the whole world and we're touching people and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for that. And God, we just pray for this church that we would see increase in missions. That God, there would be such a passion in our hearts that it would never be something we do, but always who we are. And God, we just thank you for that. God, every mission we support, God, bless them. Meet their every needs and provide for them. And God, meet our needs tonight. God, we just thank you that you're going to speak to our hearts. You're going to speak to our lives. And we'll give you all the praise and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Say with me this, my heart. My heart. I'm talking about your heart tonight. We're still continuing the thought about Missions May and about our involvement. Because again, we talk about missionaries, we talk about missions we support. But we have to realize that every one of us are called to be a missionary for Christ. Every one of us are called to our sphere of influence, to our road, as we talked about last Wednesday. That on our road, who are we impacting? Who are we touching? And I want to tell you something right now. If you missed this past Sunday, I'm going to say something. You missed something on Sunday. What a phenomenal day we had in the house. And we talked about the four ways that we need God to move in our lives. We really talked about the right way of moving. Come on, say it with me, the right way. The right way of moving. How we need God to move in a right way. There's a lot of moving going on. There's a lot of things that are happening which are not God. And therefore, really, there's nothing happening because if God's not in it, it's going to come to nothing. And it's, and it's futile things. But we talked about that, that we've got to watch because there's maybe things happening in your life right now that's not really a God thing. What am I talking about? Maybe in your marriage, maybe tonight your marriage is not blessed. I want to tell you right now, God wants to move in your marriage to bring forth blessing. Uh, uh, Let me say that one more time because I didn't get a good amen. God wants to move in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship, that there would be blessing. God wants productivity to take place in your home. God wants to move. What about this one? God wants to move in your workplace, in your education, in your career. Someone said something to me today that just blew me away. I was like, wow, that is powerful. How many of us complain and moan about our boss? Nancy, you better not put your hand up. Come on, how many of you complain and moan about your boss? Can I tell you something right now? 
If you want promotion and you want blessing in your work, can I tell you how you get it? You support your boss, the people that you are under, and you make them look so good. So I tell you why? Because then they'll be promoted and guess who can step up into their position? You see, we get it so wrong. What we think is, hey, I can just talk bad about them. I'll get them fired. And then, no, they're not going to put probably you in a position if you're grumbling and complaining. Come on, your responsibility is not to like people. Your responsibility is to be submissive to the authority that God has placed over your life. Not getting a lot of amens tonight, so we're going to be in here late tonight because I'm going to preach till you start shouting in the house. You see, we've got to realize that God wants to move, but yet we try to move in the wrong way. Come on, a lot of people are not living a fulfilled life. God wants to move in such a way that you are living a fulfilled life, but we're doing everything our way, saying, God, I want you to move like this and that, and it's causing unproductive. But no productivity in our lives. And, and when we're not there, when it's not happening, who do we blame? First, we blame others. Well, it's their fault. It's the pastor's fault. If he would just preach this message, if he would just do this, then everything would be okay. But ultimately, who takes the blame for things not moving as we think they should is really God's. And we blame God and we say, God, why is this not happening? Why is that not happening? And the reason why is anything with me involved is going to get us in trouble. Anything with me involved, notice it's not going to get me in trouble because the problem is when I'm wrong, it doesn't just affect me, it affects my kids, my wife, my family, for my situation. You may not have kids, but it affects the people around you. So when I'm wrong, when me gets it wrong, it's not just me that's in trouble, I'm affecting other people. Come on, I need God to move in the right way in my life because if not, it's causing problems to more people than just me. Now, you may say, well, hold on a second. Well, God wants to use me. Yes, he does. So me is okay when he comes before the me. When he comes before me, then that's okay. But when me comes before he, that's when we have problems. Because when me follows he, that means I'm following his leading. I'm following his instruction and I'm living what he has called me to do. And that's what God. But when I'm trying to live for my own selfish desires, for my own way, watch out. It's only going to cause problem. And me is a big problem. We, we like to say that the devil's our biggest problem, but I think we're the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is what looking back in us in the mirror every day. It's not our spouse. It's not those around us. It's not our kids. If only my kids would straighten up and get right at school, everything would be good and then my life would be complete. No, your problem is looking at you in the mirror. Maybe if you straightened up, your kids would straighten up. Come on, I'm preaching in the house today. You better tuck your feet in because I'm going to stamp on some toes tonight. But you see, me is the problem. That selfishness. So many times I hear this in relationships. People will come in and they're complaining about their spouse. And they say, you know what? None of my needs have been met. I'm not getting anything that I need. And notice all of a sudden I say, hold on a second. How come it's all about you, you, me, me, I, I, I? Marriage is not about me, you, and I. Marriage is about us. Come on, marriage is a corporate thing. And then the next question I will ask people is this. If you're not getting what you want, are you giving what you should? Well, no, of course I'm not, because I'm, why should I give them something that they're not 
given me. Notice how me becomes selfish, self-centered, and it's a dead-end street. You're not going to get anything out of it. But when we realize it's about he with me following, guess what? I'm going to treat my spouse no matter how they treat me. Come on, I'm going to do right to my boss even though they're doing me wrong. Come on, I'm going to be with it, have a great attitude even though everything around me is trying to get me down. Are you okay? So we need God to move. We talked about the fact of the four areas that we need God to move. Remember, we need God to move in us so he can move through us. And then he can impact those around us. And then he can move in spite of us. And I think we should give a shout out for number four again tonight. How many are glad that God moves in spite of us? I hope you've changed your prayer this week and said a few times, God, I want to touch a life, but I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to have a bad attitude. Not trying to, but it's going to happen because that's how life is. But God, move in spite of me. So tonight what I want to do is I just want to jump in a little bit deeper in the first part, and that is this, in us. I want to talk about God moving in me. Say with me, God move in me. And that should be our prayer all the time. You know, the tendency again we have is God move in them, do this in them. But it has to first start with me. It has to first start with me. If we don't start at the beginning, we're never going to make it to the end. In a race, if you don't start at the beginning, you're going to be disqualified before the end. So what makes us think that we can buck the system or beat the rules? We can't. So we've got to start at the beginning and it's got to start. So how do I allow God to move in me? What access have I given God? What rights have I given God to move inside of me? You know, I've realized this and as I was planning for this message today... I thought it's amazing when we ask questions like, how have I allowed God to move in me? What access have I given him? I'm amazed because the reality is this. We think we do so much more than we really do do. I know that's improper grammar, but let me say that again. What we think we do is a whole lot less than what we really do. And we've got to be real with that. It's so different many times. We can say, oh, I've given God the access of my life and, and oh, I want God to move in my life. But yet what we're really given to him is not really what we're saying that we are and many times what we're convincing ourselves. There's a little um, a lesson or a, a way that you can just test this in your life and, and, and it's by asking someone. I, I would really challenge you to ask some people some questions about your life. Just go up to some people and and ask them a question like something like this. How kind and thoughtful am I? Because you can think you're the most kind and thoughtful person in the world, but reality is going to come when you ask someone who's close to you and dear to you because they're going to tell you exactly what they think of your thoughtfulness and your kindness. Do I hear an amen? But you see, we need to start asking those questions. But when we ask those questions, we've got to be prepared for the answers. Because we are getting an unbiased answer back. We tend to have a biased opinion over ourselves. I remember in English when I'd write an essay, one of the hardest things to do was to go back and critique it and check it for spelling and grammar because to me it sounded great. Because I had written it. 
And then all of a sudden you give it to your teacher and there's more red than there's black on the paper and you're getting all offended about this and you think they've got it in for me. No, they have an unbiased opinion. So I really challenge you with that, with your relationship with God and circumstances of your life. Realize that what you think is happening or what really is happening can be a big difference. And who can bridge that difference? You. You've got to begin to open up your heart. So maybe you're sitting here and saying, man, I'm giving God everything. By the end of this message, I'm sure there's probably not one of us in here that's going to be able to say, I'm giving God everything. Because everyone is going to have to admit there's a whole lot of us that God does not have access to. It's a whole lot of me that God, I need God to really continue to move in me. And if that's not for you, then I'm just saying it for me tonight. So in us, I want God to move. We read this scripture on Sunday, and let me read it again. 1 John 4, verse 4, and it says this, You are of God. Again, I love that. I'm of God. You know, I'm of God. And we've got to realize that. I'm of God. I'm a child of God. And that's our identity. And we've got to realize that because when we don't have the identity right, everything that follows is not going to be right. But we're of God. God is telling us that. You're of God. You're mine. You're my children. And notice what he says. And have overcome what? Them. Now, if you would look in 1 John 4, the them that he's talking about, he has just talked about the false prophets. He's just talked about the false spirits that want to come and are present in the earth. He's challenging them to the fact that everyone who says, I'm of God, is not, but yet they're the spirit of the Antichrist, he says. So really the them he's talking about there is the false prophets and the wrong spirits. But I wonder what our them is in our lives. I wonder what the them is in our lives. Shall I say this, that we have overcome them. You know what is overcome in our lives? The negative thoughts. Come on, because we're children of God, we have the power through God to overcome, come on, negative words. Come on, we have power to overcome the sin nature that's inside of us. Come on, the wrong thoughts that come in, the bad attitudes, because, or for this very reason, why can we be an overcomer over all those things? Because he who is in me, come on, say in me, he who is in me, in you, is greater than... He is greater than, he is more than, he is more powerful than he. Notice small h. It's not God, it's the devil and the powers of darkness that God is greater than every power of Satan that is in this world. I said this Sunday, God is greater than. That's not up for debate. That's reality. That's fact. That's truth. God is greater than drugs. God is greater than alcohol. God is greater than depression. God is greater than fear. God is greater than anxiety. Come on, God is greater than worry. God is greater than doubt. God is greater than divorce. God is greater than homosexuality. Come on, God is greater than drug addiction. God is greater than than mental problems, emotional circumstances. God God is greater than. He is greater than anything. But he must be greater in. He's greater than. But he must be greater in. In who? In you and in my life. And how does God become greater in my life? He becomes greater in my life through relationship. Through relationship. Having a relationship 
with God. You know that separates Christianity from any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you have to go through something else to get to the intended target. But with God, you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a ceremony. You don't have to go through a fast. You don't have to go through certain types of prayer and all these things. You can just step into the presence of God. In fact, even greater than that, the presence of God lives inside of you. And that's what separates Christianity. The fact that we can be in relationship with God. That we can know God. That we can converse with God. But here's where most of us are at. It's not the priority to us of having a relationship with him. But yet, here's where most of us are at. We think that the future of our lives can be found when, if only I could just get a new job. If only I could just get a pay rise. Then guess what? I would qualify to buy that dream house. If I could just get that, then my life would just be the best. I would be the happiest. I would be the most complete person in the world. And if we're not there, we may be here. If I could just get my wife, or if I could just get my husband to see the fact that I'm not satisfied, and if they would just change and do this, then, man, my life would be... Oh, man, I would... Never want for anything else. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're here. If only I could be set free from this addiction. Then I could give my whole heart to God. There's other places that you could be. But you see, what we have got to notice is when we make statements like that, when we live in the action of that, who is it all about? It's all about me. When things will change for me, when other things change around me, when I do this, when I accomplish this, me, 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 I, I, I. And here's my question. Where is he in all of that? You see, our daily lives, we say we're in relationship with God, but yet we're living for me. And most of the time, God has not even been welcomed into our lives. That we can go from church service to church service and not even almost include God in what we do. Scary, isn't it? Now, here's the reality. We know he wants to bless us financially and give us favor and blessings. Everyone with me on that? You know, we know he wants us to have a healthy marriage. Come on, and and relationships that are given glory and honor to God. Come on, we know God wants us to be free from strongholds and addictions. Everyone with me, we know all those kind of things. But we leave him out of the pursuit of those things. I want you to turn with me tonight to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to read a few verses from there tonight. And for all you heathens who don't have your Bible with you, we're going to put it on the screen for you tonight. Um, But Mark chapter 10, no excuse why you don't have a Bible either, because we can give you one. Only plan. But Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and I'm going to read through verse 22. So stay with me. I want to show you something here. With the thought of where we're at, how we're looking for everything else to bring us the blessing and the fulfillment in our life at the expense of what really can at the expense of relationship with him. 
So look what it says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Now he was going out on the road and one came running and knelt before him and asked him or said to him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What can I do to be saved? What can I do to have a relationship that's going to change not only my present but my future? Notice that, that's the question that's been asked. And Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Jesus then says to him in verse 19, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud people. Honor your father and mother. And he, this man, answered Jesus and said unto him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, one thing, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. Notice verse 22, an important verse right here. It says this, but he was sad at the word or at this word. And what? He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What we see in that passage of Scripture is this. In verse 17, he asks the question, What must I do to have eternal life? In verse 19, we see the answer. Jesus says to him, Don't commit adultery. Don't do this, that, that. And what did he say? His response In verse 20 was his pride speaking. He said, teacher, I've done all these things. I've checked them off. I'm there. I've got it all done. He's feeling good about himself. But notice what the problem is. It's about him. Are you with me? It's about what he's done. Notice that he's tried to earn it. He's tried to do it. So in verse 21... Here's the reality of the relationship. Jesus says, well, here's the reality. Here's the one thing that you need to do. And then in verse 22, we see his choice to what Jesus asks. And his choice was what? He was sad and he left sorrowful. How sad to be in the presence of God, but yet leave never even knowing him. How many times can we be in the presence of God? But yet, because it's about us and what I need to do, we leave the presence of God and we leave angry and mad because we haven't got what we want to have. I wonder that day if that man really was wanting God, Jesus, to pat him on the back and said, man, you are awesome. You've done that. Man, you are incredible. There is no one else who is as cool and as holy as you. I wonder if that was what he was looking for that day. I wonder if he was really sincerely asking or whether he was just wanting to be validated in who he was. I don't know. I'm not going to build a doctrine on it, but read for yourself. But what he was showing him, what Jesus was showing him was this. Jesus wasn't showing him that you need to go and sell everything and be completely broke to follow me. Jesus was addressing the situation that he was facing in his life. But what Jesus was showing him, and in the same way we need to see tonight, is this. We must not let our possessions, the goals of our life, the money that we possess, 
the relationships that we have, and we could keep going down the list, our husbands, our children, our homes, all these things, we must never allow them to keep us from following Jesus. Jesus was showing him the one thing. Oh, he did a lot of things. But Jesus was showing him the one thing that he lacked. And the one thing he lacked was the most important or of the greatest value. And you know that, what that was? Having a wholehearted allegiance to only God. Oh, Jesus, I've done this for you. Jesus, I've done that. Jesus says one thing. Lay all that aside and follow me. Oh, but Jesus, this is a blessing from you. This is what Jesus was showing him that the only thing that matters in life when we stand before God, the only thing that matters is where are we with him? Where is our relationship with him? And that's true in our lives today. God must be first above everything else. And not just something we say, but something we live. And I'm challenged tonight. I know I'm challenged to the core with that statement that God must be first above everything else because that's not always the case in my life. But you're the preacher. Yeah, I am. But you know what? I'm human like everyone else. Jesus gave this man a test, and it was a stern test, to reveal that he had made an idol of wealth. Thus, he had broken the first commandment. The commandments you read in Exodus chapter 20, the first one is this, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. You know what? If you want to work on your relationship with God, if you want God to truly move in you, you've got to start at the beginning. You've got to start at commandment number one. Come on now. You've got to not have anything else that's idolizing. That's something you idolize and that you parade and you have. I'm not saying that God says you can't have anything. That God can't, you can't like sports and you can't do this. No, you can have all those things, but notice the position God first. Then everything else comes after that. You see, Jesus looked beyond everything that he had done. Jesus looked beyond all the good stuff he had done and and everything that he was proud of in his life. And the same way with us, God looks beyond everything that we think is good. In fact, the Bible says that when we stand before him, everything that's hay, wood and stubble is just going to burn up in our hands. That means any futile thoughts, any futile works, anything. It's only that which is pure gold is going to remain when we stand before God. It's going to burn up before us. So Jesus is looking beyond all these things. What? To a single-hearted devotion to him. Challenging this man. You've got to take up the cross and you've got to live a life of discipleship. Jesus is looking beyond all the good. And he's looking at the heart. He's looking at really where you are. One of the footnotes in my Bible said this. I thought it was really cool. I wrote it down. Listen, it says, Jesus showed genuine love for this man. Some people want to say, well, Jesus was kind of mean. No, it says that he said it in love. He loved him. Jesus showed genuine love for this man, even though he knew the man might not follow him. Love is able to give tough advice. It doesn't hedge on the truth. Christ loved us enough to die for us. And he also loves us enough to talk straight to us. If his love were superficial, listen to this, he would only give us his approval. 
But because his love is complete, he gives us life-changing challenges. Aren't you glad that his love is not superficial? And therefore, he doesn't just give us his approval. But yet, he what? He, his love is complete and therefore, he gives us the challenges of how we need to live in our lives and how we need to perform in our lives. You see, relationship is about submission. Write that down. Relationship is submission. Now, when you say the word submission, most people don't like that word. Most people don't like that word today. Why? Because of the bad experiences that we've had in a relationship or in a marriage or in an abusive situation or whatever. And as a result, we now don't like that word submission because we know what it's brought upon us, the hurt and the pain. But I want to tell you something today. And I'm going to deal with this in a greater way on Sunday. But here's my definition of what submission means. Are you ready? To believe the words and teachings of Jesus over anything else. To submit means to believe the words and teachings of Jesus over anything else. Or said above any other voice. You see, we know him or knowing him is the result of relationship. So we can submit to that. Why? When he is over everything else, we come under that. When we say, God, you're above everything else, we are submitting to him. And when he is first, then everything else. The Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, being in relationship, right standing with God, and then everything. Come on, say with me, everything. All things, the Bible says, will be added. Nothing taken, but everything added. You see, when he's first, all things will be added to my life. My life will be blessed. But that isn't the model of relationship that most have chosen to live by today. How many times have we heard it said, and maybe you've even said it, In your life, you've heard it and said it. But is this really God or not? How do I know if it's the voice of God? Anyone ever said that or heard someone? How do I know if this is really God or not? You know, the simple answer is this, relationship. Everyone close your eyes in here. Just everyone close your eyes, okay? I want everyone to close your eyes. No one looking around. I'm going to ask someone to say something right now. And don't open your eyes and don't look. But I want you to tell me who it is who said something tonight. Okay, all they're going to say is, hello, how are you? Okay? Hello, how are you? Okay. How many people think they know who said that? Anyone think they know who said that? Anyone? Okay, who do you think said that? You don't know? Mr. Dan, do you know? You think he said it over there? Daryl, who do you think said that? David? Nope. 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 Who? You're pointing to me? I said it? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Who said it? Put your hand up if you said it. It's Big Jeff at the back. Big Jeff at the back. All right, everyone close your eyes. You ready? Ready for this one? Close your eyes. Someone's going to say something. You ready? Hello, how are you doing? Everyone open your eyes. Who said that? Oh man, me? I said that? How do you know that? You know why you know that? Because you hear my voice every Sunday. You recognize the accent. All this comes. But you know what? You know why you didn't know Jeff's? Because most of you don't even know who Jeff is. Most of you don't know Jeff's name. 
And the reason why you don't know his name, you don't know his voice. You see, if you were in relationship with Jeff, you'd put your hand up straight away and say, man, I know that voice. Every one of you knew my voice and, and you'd maybe, it's maybe your first time here, but you knew my voice because you know my accent and you've spent time with me tonight. We've, we're having time, we're conversating right now, we're talking. But do you see, when we question whether that's the voice of God or not, the answer is, if you spend time with him, you'll know. If you'll read his word, you'll know because he's never contrary to his word and he's going to follow his word. But you've got to realize that. Quickly turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 1 and 6. I love this passage. We're going to read it and we're going to look at it a little bit more maybe on Sunday too. But look what it says in John 10, 1 through 6. Most assuredly, I say unto you, these are words in red, means Jesus has said these. Most assuredly, I say unto you, who who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up the other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by what? So that means relationship. You've got to know someone, okay? He wants to know you. He doesn't just say, oh, you over there. He says by name, Mary, come here, Bucky, you know, Jeff, uh, you know, each one, okay? So he calls them by name, And he leads them out. Key thought there, if you don't hear his voice and hear his name, guess what? You're not going to follow him. Verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for what reason? They know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Amazing verse. The next verse, verse 6, is absolutely amazing. Jesus uses this illustration, but they did not understand the things that he'd spoke to them. It's amazing how many times we don't understand because we're not in relationship. When we're in relationship, we understand completely what Jesus is trying to say because when we're with him, we'll know him, we'll follow him, we'll lead, he'll lead us where we need to go. They didn't understand. It wasn't clear to them, but yet it's so clear. It's really simple to understand. Listen, you'll know the voice of God if you'll spend time with Him. It's not if this or that happens. It's not if I can just get the promotion. It's not if my husband would just straighten up. It's not if I could just be free from the addictions. The answer to every problem that we have in life is knowing God. Having a heart that is in tune with God. Come on, what's happening to your heart? That either will make you or break you. When they show up on a scene of an accident, Stacy's here. She's the one that dispatches people, but she used to be on an ambulance. When they show up on a scene of an accident, the first thing they are making sure is this. Is there a heartbeat? They're making sure the person is having a heartbeat. They're not looking and going, wow, I like those shoes. That's really cool. Man, where'd you get that shirt from? Wow, that's really cool. They don't worry about anything about that. All they care about first is there a heartbeat. Why? Because the heart is the source of life. What's happening with the heart is determining the course of treatment that's going to take place in their life. Amen? And the same thing is true with us. I don't want to sound redundant tonight, but look at Proverbs 4.23 again. I'm almost done. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of what my heart... Out of my heart springs the issues of life. Let me give you a couple of translations. The Message Bible says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. I put in parentheses and ends. 
if your heart's not right. New Living Translation, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. I think this is one kind of Catholic Bible. I like what it says there. It says, preserve your heart with all watchfulness, for life proceeds from this. Wow. It first has to start with your heart. It has to be first in you before it can come out through you and can impact those who are what? Around you you has to be first in you and I know most of you in here have been saved for a long time but I want to tell you however long you've been saved whether it's a week or whether it's 40 years this is just as important to every one of us because we all have the tendency to live life off the experiences instead of the daily encounters well God did this for me and I'm just living off that moment that's not the kind of relationship that I see God's word says I should live from one encounter from one experience to the other God says it's a daily thing that I need to live every day look what Jesus says to him in Matthew 10:37 through 39 he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me he who does not take up his cross other gospels say this he who does not take up his cross daily And follow me is not worthy of me. And then he says, he who finds his life will lose it. When you think you've got it together, when it's about you, guess what? You're going to lose that. But when it's not about you, but when you lose your life for whose sake? His sake. When he is first, guess what? You're going to find it. You're going to find what? Happiness, health, fulfillment, blessing. Everything that you're looking for in the wrong places, you're going to find when you get your heart where it needs to be with God in relationship. Follow Jesus, to follow Jesus, to follow him. You see, true relationship is about giving your life to Christ. You see, when Jesus said, take up your cross, the cross is an instrument of death. It's symbolic of death, symbolizing that what? The bearing of any particular, not the bearing of any particular burden. He's not saying it's a burden, the cross that we're carrying. But what he's saying is this, it's a willingness to give my life sacrificially for God. I've got to take up my cross. What a sacrificial gift offering to God. What we give our lives to determines what has rule in our lives. If we give our lives to addictions and drugs, guess what? They're going to rule our lives. If we give our lives to our job, guess what? We're going to be ruled by our job. But when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus, guess what happens? He rules. He rules. We've got to know his voice and follow. We've got to be close to him. We've got to be in love with him. That we won't desire those other things anymore. You see, the answer to every problem is not go to church more. It's not pay tithes. It's not get out of that company and separate yourself. It's not divorce your wife and find someone else. All those things apart from divorcing your wife and finding someone else are good things to do. As children of God, if you've got to separate yourself from people, do it. But you see, the real thing that we miss so many times is this. The key to every problem in life is found in falling in love with Jesus. To accept his forgiveness and live in newness of life. I'm going to give this story. I'm going to shut up. I'm too late already tonight. But it was because you were too quiet at the beginning. It's your fault. There was once the story of a young man who went off to war. And when he was off in war... He was um, in a battle situation. And in the midst of the battle, one of his friends was wounded. 
and his friend was crying out and he was in safety. He was in the safe zone, but he heard his friend calling his name. He couldn't leave him. He ran out and grabbed his friend and threw him over his shoulder. And one stride away from making it to safety, he received a bullet through his chest. And he fell, throwing his friend into safety, but he lost his life. This young man was wounded and for months he was in a hospital. And during that time they had art classes and different things. And he decided he was going to paint an image, a picture of that day. And he painted a picture of his friend carrying him on his shoulders with shells and bullets flying by. And he determined that when he made it back stateside, he was going to go and visit that guy's father. Because he knew they had such a love for art. Because they had shared intimate moments together. They knew each other's lives. So he went one day to this majestic house, a massive house with massive gates, had to ring to get in. And when he goes, there's a butler that answers. He's like blown away. Wow, this is unbelievable. He almost feels bad about this little painting he has under his arm. As he steps in, he sees all the Rembrandts. He sees all the famous uh, um, artists' paintings all over, millions of dollars worth of art on every wall, throughout every hallway. And all of a sudden, an old man comes in and he says, Sir, you may not know me, but I knew your son. And I want to tell you something. If it wasn't for your son, I would not be here. He gave his life for me. And I know that you and him had a love for art. So I thought the best way I could honor him was to give you this picture. And he gave him a picture of the son. And that man loved it. It was his prized possession. The picture that once stood over the mantle was taken down. Now this picture was put up in its place, the place of honor in the whole house. One day that elderly man died. He had no heir. And it was time where they would sell off everything he had. They had a state or an auction for all his property. People traveled from all over the world because of the paintings he possessed. They were so rare. They were such great value that people came from all over the world. There was never a greater art show or a greater art auction than this happening. And while all these people were lined up, the auctioneer stood behind the pulpit. And he went and he said, okay, bring up the first piece of art. And up on the stage was put that picture of the sun. And people couldn't understand. And he said, who's going to give me $10 for this? Who give me some money for this? And people started getting antsy and they started getting restless. And they said, get that off. We don't want that trash. Get that off. We didn't come for that. Come on, get this over and done with. And all of a sudden in the back, the butler screams out. He says, I'll give you $10. And the auctioneer's hammer came down on the gavel. His gavel came down and he said, sold along with every other painting that you see in this place. I don't know if that's a true story or not. But let me tell you something. 1 John 5 verse 12 tells us this. He who has the Son gets everything. He who has the Son, guess what? Has life. He who has the Son has everything. Think about that. When you've got Jesus, you have everything. But don't just say it. Live it. Would you bow your heads with me today? I know time is gone, but you know what? I just don't want to rush through this.
If you have to leave, then we'll excuse you to go. But I, I just want to ask something right now. Trey, if you could perhaps come and play something, that'd be cool. If you can't, that's cool too. But I want you to do today, I don't want no one looking around because here's what I want to do. How's your heart? How's your heart? I mean, how really is your heart? How is your heart tonight? Because one thing we've realized is this. When we have the sun, we have everything. I want us just to do something for a few moments, wherever you're at. If you want to just bow your head, if you want to turn on your knees, if you want to come to the front. Whatever you want to do. You know what? For just a couple of moments, I want us to do something. I want us to get our heart right with Jesus. Come on, I want Him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. I want us to give Him everything, that there'll be nothing held back, but we'll surrender everything, that we'll give everything to Him, that we'll say once again, God, my heart is yours. Come on, would you do that for a few moments? Would you just do that? Would you just rededicate your life? Would you just surrender? Maybe you've never given your life to God. It's so simple. All you have to say is, God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you change me? Come on, change my heart. Come on, change my heart, God. Change my heart, God. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.